Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Greg and I are going to be talking about head injuries among mountain bikers. Uh, this is a pretty serious subject, but one that we think we can share some good information about. But we have to say at the very beginning here that we are not doctors. Obviously, we are mountain bikers. And so as such, we're not giving any kind of medical advice or treatment advice or anything like that. So just take uh, what we have to say as information only. Uh, and again, this is information that we have gathered sort of in our research and experience. So we're going to be talking specifically today about concussions and traumatic brain injuries, what the symptoms and signs are, uh, what some of the causes are, and then the things that are being done to prevent or treat those injuries. We did a similar podcast episode about helmets where we dived into some of this, uh, but this is going to be a more detailed discussion. So let's get started. So to start off, Greg, what is a traumatic brain injury or TBI? Basically, TBIs cover all sorts of impacts and injuries to the brain. It can be minor up to very serious. So uh, according to Wikipedia, TBI can result in physical, cognitive, social, emotional, and behavioral symptoms. And you, know, you can either recover completely or it could lead to permanent disability or death. So TBI is a pretty broad term. Yeah, definitely. And it's a term we're hearing in the media these days as well, especially as it relates to football players. And um, there's been a lot of research and there have been cases of people who are injured who have exhibited a lot of these behaviors that weren't really understood before. You know, people's personalities seem to change. And yeah, there's a lot of things associated with those TBIs that we're seemingly just starting to discover. So let's drill down a little further. You know, most people aren't going to get a, a full-on traumatic brain injury uh, their first time out mountain biking. But what about concussions? Those seem to be a little more prevalent. What is a concussion? So basically, a concussion is often referred to as a mild traumatic brain injury, or MTBI for short. Uh, but usually, you just hear people say concussion. And it's the most common type of TBI. And it's generally defined as a head injury that results in a temporary loss of brain function. And this can be a very small loss of brain function. It doesn't need to be much to qualify as a concussion. You know, potentially, if you hit your head really hard and you have a headache, you could have a concussion. So it could, but the level of concussion does vary on a pretty big scale. So you've got relatively minor ones potentially and uh, more serious ones. Okay. So what, what causes a concussion? Why is, why is this a thing when you hit your head? Uh, why do you get concussed? So basically you want to think about the brain. It's basically floating in your head and there's a bunch of fluid around your brain that essentially, you know, allows it to float there, keeps it from 
rattling around too much. But if you hit your head hard enough, or sometimes you don't even need to hit your head to get concussion, you just need to like whiplash or something of that nature, it jars or shakes the brain inside the skull. So if your brain is floating in the skull, imagine your head stops really suddenly and your brain keeps moving. Think about your Newtonian physics and it smashes into the inside of your skull and it bounces back and forth inside of there, which is not excellent. And another possible cause of concussion that I just learned this morning while I was doing some research is rotation of the brain inside of the cranial cavity, which can tear some of the brain's fibers. So basically your brain moving around in your head, not awesome. Yeah. I'm getting a little squeamish just thinking about that. That just kind of weirds me out. All right. So what are some of the short-term effects? You mentioned some of those, but yeah, when you have a concussion, what happens? So again, this can vary wildly depending on the concussion. So I'm going to read through a quick list of potential symptoms. Most of these are pulled straight from WebMD and running from more or less, more severe to less severe, generally speaking. So you can lose consciousness and blackout. If you do that, you probably had a concussion. Uh, you can lose your memory, forget events. You can have other physical symptoms like nausea and vomiting, headache, fuzzy or blurry vision, dizziness, sensitivity to light or noise, balance issues. Uh, you can feel tired or have no energy. There are also other cognitive issues like not being able to think clearly, not being able to think as quickly as you normally do, not being able to concentrate, uh, remember new things. Your emotions can get messed up. You can get upset or angered, sad, nervous, all sorts of unusual things for yourself. Uh, you can have other things to do with sleep, like you could sleep more than usual, or you could sleep less than usual, or you could have a hard time falling asleep. It's just, it's interesting that a lot of these symptoms, you know, are either end of the extremes of the spectrum. So if you're really happy or really sad or something like that, well, maybe not really happy, but, <laughs> you know, major changes, you know, could indicate a concussion. Yeah, it seems to impact everything, which I guess makes sense because your brain controls your body and your emotions and everything. So it's all kind of tied together. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a really good story on the site that I recommend everybody read. It's a two-parter that Michael Paul wrote about his uh, friend Mark who had a pretty serious TBI. And that story is a great look at sort of the immediate effects, but also the long-term effects that these things can have. Because lots of times the symptoms don't just happen right away and then go away. Uh, it can have some serious long-term effects on your brain. Um, and this is generally called post-concussive syndrome, the basic long-term things that happen to you. So the big things you want to look for or that you could experience rather are primarily changes in your ability to think, concentrate and remember. Uh, you could have changes in your personality, uh, such as becoming angry, anxious. Uh, you could have changes in your sex drive. You could have dizziness, lightheadedness, motor function issues, um, and other things. So those are big long-term deals. Yeah. So once somebody has a concussion, you know, be it a mild one or a more serious one, what are some of the treatments that doctors are going to recommend? So the doctor will generally do, you know, some diagnosing type things. They might do things like an MRI to rule out other issues like a brain bleed, uh, other issues related to more serious TBIs. But after that, there's not a heck of a lot that 
can be done other than just rest and not overexert yourself. Um, sometimes you need to be watched um, shortly thereafter. Could be by a family member at home, but if it's really serious, you might need to stay at a hospital for a while. But essentially, after that, it, the, it boils down to not overexerting yourself. This is both mentally and physically. Um, taking time off from you know, big physical activities like biking and possibly time off from work or reducing hours at work. Um, but part of this depends on how long-term the issues become. I mean, uh, being in the bike industry, maybe I'm jump, hopefully I'm not jumping ahead here, but I've known quite a few people who have had serious TBIs and it will impact their work for six months, a year. Like they will literally only be able to concentrate for say four hours at a time or six hours at a time and won't be able to work a full schedule. Depending on your job, that can be a really, really big deal. So yeah, I was going to relate a story about someone I know in the industry uh, who was in, who was racing enduro and had a crash, got a concussion, um, and then yeah, ended up missing weeks of work. And part of the treatment was basically, I mean, I don't I don't know the full details, but it w- sounded like it was sitting in a dark room for hours at a time, and um, yeah, basically like letting your brain rest and repair itself. Um, and then this person came back to work, but then still experiencing issues and had to do another two weeks in the dark room. So yeah, it, it sounds, sounds very unpleasant to say the least. So it's something that we want to avoid. In doing this research, I found that concussions are actually pretty common among cyclists, or at least they happen to more cyclists than uh, to people who play football, for example. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, early in the episode, Right now we're hearing a lot about this as it relates to football and the NFL particularly. But in the USA, about 47,000 people suffered from traumatic brain injuries due to football, whereas there were about 86,000 people who had head injuries due to a cycling accident. Is this over a one period of time or like a certain period of time? Yeah, this is this is a one year. Yeah, this was in 2009. And... Part of that may be that there are more people who ride bikes than play football, uh, which is totally legit. Um, but it also, you know, got me thinking about the nature of the crashes that cyclists are involved in. And, you know, you can get going a lot faster on a bike than you can running down the football field. You know, football, football players are fast, but they're not as fast as bikes. And we're typically crashing into fixed objects like the ground or a tree or a rock. Uh, whereas, you know, football players kind of bouncing off of another meaty football player. So yeah, that just gives you, give you an idea of how serious this problem is. Uh, yet it's not getting the same media coverage as the football, uh, traumatic brain injuries. Uh, Greg, you actually have had your share of concussions, a concussion or multiple concussions. Well, that's actually part of my story. So my most significant head injury was when I was working at a camp in Colorado and I was doing some mountain bike guiding, but I was waiting for my group to show up because they were late and I was jumping my bike off of an embankment next to sort of like our meeting spot. And the next thing I remember is being in a bathroom in a nearby building, looking at my face in the mirror, covered in blood and thinking that was not a great thing. Hmm. And then the next thing I remember after that is being in the bike shop next door, looking at our weekly schedule, trying to discern what day of the week it was. Whoa. And pretty quickly I was like, all right, this is not great. 
I made my way up to a nearby ropes course where my girlfriend was working at the time. And by that point, I'd pretty much figured out I had a concussion, you know, pretty serious one. So uh, they stabilized my head and neck, called 911. I got an emergency uh, ambulance ride to Denver. Got the MRI I mentioned to check for brain bleed. And uh, that's where it, it turns a bit interesting. You know, the doctor asked if I had had a concussion before, and I was like, well, you know, what counts as a concussion? Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. not really sure. I never had done this before, you know, and it turns out I've likely had many concussions having grown up skiing, snowboarding, mountain boarding, mountain biking. Like, if you hit your head and black out even briefly, that's a concussion. And, I, you know, I've done that many times, you know, hitting your head and getting a severe headache, probably a concussion. It, it just doesn't take a heck of a lot, really. And the, the issue with concussions and TBIs is that they can have a cumulative effect over time. Even if you only have, say, you know, quote unquote minor concussions to medium concussions, this one I had was a pretty serious one, but I still bounce back pretty quickly. But if you have a lot of those, you know, you can cause serious brain injury and depression and it can lead to big issues like uh, Dave Muir had. So for me personally, that was followed by time off the bike and off of work immediately after. I had a pretty bad headache, but really after, aside from a headache, uh, I was pretty much better in like a week or two. You know, and most of my memory from that day ended up coming back. Like when it was happening, I lost like, you know, I didn't know what day of the week it was. I lost all memory of what had happened that day. Most of that day is coming back back to me, except I still can't remember some things like hitting the ground. I don't remember that actually happening. And uh, there's a bunch of time. I don't know how much time after the event. Uh, I don't remember. So, wow. you know, it was a, it was a scary deal, but uh, I feel pretty fortunate to have uh, recovered from it. But at the end of the whole thing, the doctor's advice was, all right, you cannot get another concussion ever. I was like, all right, I'll get right on that, you know? Yeah, so it's a, it's a serious deal. Yeah, and yeah, so far, knock on wood, you've held up on that, right? I mean, no, nothing major, but again, like, uh, you know, I mean, even you can, like, if you hit your head on a cabinet door, you could concuss yourself, you know? So, I mean, I've probably had some minor things since then, but nothing nothing major. But I, you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I hit my head a lot because I'm tall. Like I'll be in a crawl space or a basement or something and bang my head on a pipe. So yeah, you can't you can't avoid hitting your head. That's a tough one. All right, so what are we doing in the cycling industry or specifically as it relates to helmets? Uh, what are some of the technologies? One of the things that we hear a lot about is something called MIPS. That's an acronym, M-I-P-S. What is MIPS? Do you, what does the acronym even stand for? I probably should know this, but I don't. All right. turns out that MIPS stands for Multidirectional Impact Protection System. So basically, it's good at keeping you safe. Okay. They dropped the D. They've got a hyphen in there, multi-hyphen-directional. So I guess that's why they're going with MIPS. And that sounds better, I guess. MIPS would be pretty difficult to say. Yeah. So what is it? How do they actually implement this system? So basically, MIPS is a thin plastic liner that goes in the helmet. It's basically between your head and the helmet. So basically what this technology is trying to help with are um, rotational forces and what they call oblique impacts. So uh, 
back in the day, a lot of impact technology and research was done with straight on impacts to the head. That almost never happens in mountain biking. Like if you think of yourself going through the air and falling off your bike, you generally hit the ground at an angle. And that's what MIPS is designed to help with. So when you hit that angled impact, the low friction layer in the helmet, that's a plastic liner, allows the helmet to slide relative to the head, according to MIPS. Basically, that means that your head should stay in the same place and the helmet should like rotate around your head instead of moving your head. That's uh, the core of it. Yeah. Does MIPS, I'm trying to, it's been a while since I've really inspected a MIPS liner. Does it move in more than one direction or is it basically able to just slide sort of back and forth or can it go side to side as well? So MIPS, my understanding of it, and somebody correct us if I'm wrong, is MIPS uh, can rotate all the directions of the helmet. But uh, there are some things, we'll get to some other technologies in a second. MIPS doesn't prevent um, like straight on issues like that normal helmet has to deal with that. So it could like rotate forward, back, side to side, anywhere around that plane essentially is my understanding of it. Okay. Uh, it, has there been any research uh, to show how effective this is? Do, does anybody know if it actually works? They MIPS says they've done research and it works. There's a lot of controversy surrounding that. So, you know, it, it's a bit a bit of a debate. The problem with a lot of these technologies are A, they're new, um, but B, their application in mountain biking is pretty small in the world of all things science, you know? So to actually get like real scientific studies to happen on these things, you know, maybe like 20 years. And then by that time there will be a new technology, you know? So it's, it's debatable. Another common question is, well, the scalp and the hair of the head are basically designed to do the same thing. Your scalp sort of moves over your skull and that's essentially what MIPS does. Mm -hmm. And people are like, well, doesn't that make MIPS? What would be a good word for that? Yeah. Redundant. I mean, yeah, we've got, we got rip MIPS built into our scalps already, perhaps. So MIPS debates that or disagrees with that though. They say that, uh, you know, the scalp doesn't help enough and MIPS helps a heck of a lot more. So it's much more substantial. Okay. So why isn't MIPS incorporated into every helmet? Seems like a pretty simple solution and something that maybe while it's not, nothing out there is going to prevent a concussion. We should say that, um, but perhaps it helps yet it still isn't standard on every single helmet. Why is that? I don't know why that is. I mean, the the answer is it costs money, but to me, it's like you should pay whatever needs to be paid to keep your your head in one piece because that, uh, you know, this is, we're talking serious stuff here. If you mess up your brain, you, you could be done, you know? So I think there should be something like this in every helmet in my personal opinion, but we're still not seeing it yet, partially because of money. If you look at, say, like a Walmart helmet that's like 25 bucks, a lot of MIPS implementations could cost more than that just for the MIPS to the helmet. So, you know, if you're talking about doubling the price of a Walmart helmet, the average mom buying a helmet for her, you know, five-year-old kid, I mean, that might be too much money, I guess. But it, it seems important to me. Yeah. Well, we've, we've been talking thus far about MIPS brand uh, technology and the MIPS solution, but there are others out there that seek to do something similar to sort of slow down or redirect those rotational impacts. What are some of the other 
companies that are working on that and what are their solutions look like? So the reason MIPS is so ubiquitous right now is because basically they're not, they're not a helmet company. You know, helmet companies license that technology and put it in so you could see MIPS technology and helmets from all sorts of companies. The other major examples we find in the bike industry are from a specific helmet brand doing their own thing. And I found at least three of these, which is pretty impressive. So one of which is a Pox Spin technology. We just saw this at Interbike. And it's a pretty ingenious um, implementation because it's so simple. Basically, they use a silicone bladder inside each um, helmet pad. You know how you normally have a helmet pad. They basically take those pads put the silicone bladder in them, and that essentially does the same thing at MIPS. It allows the helmet to move slightly around your head rather than sticking in place. The helmet is also designed so that your head only contacts the pads and not the helmet shell, which allows them to work. Another technology that I've used personally is uh, Cali's LDL, uh, which stands for Low Density Layer. And basically, this consists of um, what they call specially designed viscoelastic padding that's placed throughout the interior of the helmet. And it's basically rubber raised dots that contact your head that are sort of hollow in the center. So it's like a little bunch of little donuts. But the interesting thing about LDL is that LDL provides a claimed reduction of 25% of rotational impact forces, but it also reduces low G linear forces up to 30%. So um, that's something that MIPS can't do. So like a low G impact straight onto the helmet, the dots will essentially collapse and resorb 30% of that. And that's impact that a standard helmet shell, like the general foam, won't even begin collapsing at that rate. So, you know, it's pretty cool tech, in my opinion, that reduces a bunch of those forces because, again, this stuff adds up over time. Yeah. So MIPS can't do that. A final one, which sounds pretty similar to LDL, uh, is Liat's Turbine 360 technology. And again, they're made from sort of like a gel-like plasticky material, um, which remains soft and pliable until impact, and then it hardens like a lot of these other um, pads that we're seeing. And it, according to Aaron, technology reduces rotational acceleration in addition to absorbing energy during impact, similar to the LDL. And Liat claims it can reduce up to 30% of head impact at concussion level and reduce up to 40% of rotational acceleration to head and brain. So there's a bunch of people trying new things, which I think is encouraging. Yeah. Even the NFL is getting serious about this, and they are investing at least $100 million in the next few years to reduce brain injuries among their players. They recently wrapped up testing of 32 different helmet designs that were, you know, seeking to improve safety among the players. And there was one helmet that actually came out on top and and did better than all the others. Uh, And it sounds like it may be rolled out to more and more players as we go on, but it's called the, the Vicus or the V I C I S. And it's a really unusual design. It's not like any of the cycling helmets that we're using today in that it doesn't have a hard outer shell. It's actually a soft outer shell. And I haven't gotten my hands on one, but I imagine it's similar to uh, some of the like stuff you would see in elbow pads or knee pads, um, but it's, it's around your head. And 
the interesting thing about this is even though it is the the design that they found to be the safest, uh, there was already a NFL player who got a concussion wearing one of the helmets. Uh, it was actually like his first game out in the helmet, uh, got a concussion. So this technology doesn't prevent concussions. Uh, nothing can. But it's interesting to see that that there are these new designs and things that aren't even in cycling yet. The interesting thing, too, is this helmet costs $1,500 to make. So perhaps this technology will trickle down to cycling and mountain biking. But for now, uh, it seems to be only at the highest levels of the sport. But again, that's a good thing that people are looking at this and hopefully it'll trickle down uh, to us eventually. So beyond helmets, are there other things, Greg, that can help prevent or reduce the likelihood of a concussion? I found this a really interesting looking device. Actually, I saw it posted on nsmb.com. So shout out to those guys. Um, it's still not on the market yet. It's being tested, but basically it's a concussion prevention collar. And the idea came from studying bighorn sheep and woodpeckers who hit things with their heads really hard. And basically those animals increase the, the pressure in the cranial cavity, uh, the cranial vault that holds the brain and thereby preventing it from like shaking around and having that sloshing motion we're talking about. So basically the, the collar provides slight compression on the jugular vein, increasing the volume and the pressure. I can't imagine increase the volume of the blood in the cranial cavity. It's got to increase the pressure in the cranial vault, thereby reducing the sloshing in the brain on impact. And they claim an 83% reduction in the number of torn brain fibers in a standard concussion model, which sounds promising, but... They still have not begun human trials yet, so <laughs> there's some wild stuff out there. Yeah, wow, that's yeah, that's really interesting. I've always wondered that too. That how do woodpeckers manage to yeah not just pass out from banging their heads against trees and stuff all the time? So yeah, that's seems like a unique approach. Okay, so we're seeing with football again these traumatic brain injuries and concussions are really. People are starting to get worried, and particularly parents of kids who play football. We're seeing youth participation in football decline year over year. Some of the stats I pulled showed that in the last decade, uh, participation among kids has gone down by 25%. And we're even seeing NFL players retire early because they don't want to get any more concussions, that the sport is just too dangerous for them. So is there a risk or what is the risk to mountain biking if we uh, don't make it safer or don't get in front of this concussion problem? Yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Jeff. But the tough thing with mountain biking is it's a dangerous sport, you know? And even though we try our hardest to eliminate some of the most common serious injuries, and I would say TBI is one of those, your free things can still happen. Uh, I had a pretty freak accident the other day that gave me a scare. I'm still not certain if I'm 100% okay and if I'm going to get, or if I'll have to have a surgery or what the situation is. And we're just sort of waiting and seeing, you know, and I'm heading in for my second surgery on a knee that I injured skiing. And it's just like, these are dangerous things we're doing. And, uh, you know, our actions have consequences as we do them. But if anything, mountain biking can be a good training grounds to teach the effects of natural consequences um, based on our actions. But yeah, what are, what are your thoughts? What are the potential um, ramifications? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm I'm afraid that if 
it becomes more common or, uh, you know, we're not able to slow this down. I mean, look, the reason that concussions might increase is if kids are trying to do the things they're seeing on YouTube and are taking more risks than maybe they need to. You know, when, when we started mountain biking, uh, it was perhaps a less dangerous sport. I mean, I don't know. I have, I have no way to back that up, but, um, but yeah, I would, I would love to see data on if concussions are increasing and if they are, um, I mean, I think we look to football and we see that at some point people say, you know, it's not worth it, you know, and, and we see, we've seen in the media, uh, some players who have had these injuries go on to do terrible things, you know, Aaron Hernandez, clearly from his concussions over the years that really damaged him, uh, mentally and, you know, led him to do some, some things. Uh, that he maybe otherwise wouldn't have done. And, you know, we're seeing that with some of the top mountain bikers as well. So um, I don't think it's far off to think that we could see a decline in mountain biking if people decide that it's, it's just not safe. Um, and fortunately, the helmet companies are addressing this. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can never, we can never fully eliminate it. And I'm the last one to say that you should stop doing something because it's dangerous. But there has to be a point where you just say, you know, it's not worth it. Doesn't the the benefits don't outweigh the the risks? I think one of the potential um, difficulties talking about mountain biking in general is that there's so many different breeds of mountain biking, sort of like you referenced, Jeff. Whereas football is basically, you know, it's it's pretty cut and dried what the game of football looks like. Um, you know, right now as we record this podcast, uh, the guys are in the desert in Virgin, Utah and are practicing for Red Bull Rampage, you know, and that is sort of like the pinnacle of like danger in our sport. So if anything, I see Rampage style riding taking more of a hit than say average trail riding. You know, it's, it's all in mitigating. So your risks and how much risk you're accepting on yourself. Yeah. And one thing we haven't mentioned, uh, I might have, I referenced Dave Mira earlier. Um, if you guys haven't read about Dave Mira, um, definitely, uh, look him up. He is one of the forefathers of, uh, BMX riding, um, uh, but he, uh, took his life about a year ago. And in the post-mortem autopsy, they found that he had severe chronic traumatic encephalopathy, uh, CTE in the brain, which is essentially an accumulation of TBI injuries, which you know, is what we're talking about here. So, um, you know, and that led to severe depression in his case. So, you know, a lot of this stuff is happening, coming out in football, but is also coming out in the more extreme sports. And, you know, we're having these dialogues like, well, what can we do about this? You know, like this is a big deal. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. You mentioned Rampage, which is going on right now. And, uh, last year, the, the controversy was that, you know, Rampage is just, it's too dangerous. And, you know, why are we still doing this? And why are we making the athletes go through this stuff, you know, just to get a, a paycheck at the end of the day? Um, and what's really interesting is this year, the conversation has shifted the other way. You know, Red Bull made some changes to the event to perhaps make it safer and, People are mad. <laughs> they're, they're wishing that it wasn't as safe. I mean, these are probably, these have to be two different groups of people. Hopefully not the same people that are, uh, want it both ways. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely an ongoing debate. Yeah. No easy answers here. Yeah. So how can riders avoid traumatic brain injury? I'm reminded of one of my favorite Jerry Seinfeld bits about helmets, which we'll play for you right now. Your point to as proof that the human being is not smart 
The helmet is my personal favorite. The fact that we had to invent the helmet. Now, why did we invent the helmet? Well, because we were participating in many activities that were cracking our heads. We looked at the situation. We chose not to avoid these activities, but to just make little plastic hats so that we can continue our head cracking lifestyles. The only thing dumber than the helmet is the helmet law, the point of which is to protect a brain that is functioning so poorly, it's not even trying to stop the cracking of the head that it's in. So people are going to continue to mountain bike, uh, including both of us, obviously. So what are some of the things that we can do to mitigate the risk of, you know, getting a concussion or ultimately a traumatic brain injury? The first thing you can do is to ride within your limits. And this is basically, I mean, this could be its own discussion, but it's understanding your limits um, and what a healthy risk is and what isn't. And, you know, if you don't want to get hurt, try to minimize your risk as much as possible. Maybe that's bypassing the jump, you know, uh, maybe it's not putting your life on the line, like just ride safely. But when you ride, uh, you always want to wear a helmet. Uh, this is... You know, step number one, don't ride without a helmet. Don't ever ride without a helmet. Um, and preferably choose a helmet that provides maximum protection. As we mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of brands or some models in within those brands won't have MIPS technology or similar, mainly as a pricing concern. And I would just encourage you to shell out a few more bucks and get the helmet with the anti-rotational technology. You know, maybe... You can't afford, say, like the $250 to $300 Smith helmet, but you can get helmets with MIPS technology for 50 bucks. Like I looked it up. Um, so uh, we mentioned that in a recent article on the site somewhere, but you can get it for not too much. So consider that. Uh, consider wearing a full face helmet in some situations or a helmet with a removable chin bar. And these are a new type of helmet we've seen on the market where it's basically a Dura helmet. You can take the chin bar on and off. We've written about them on the site, so check that out. The Bell um, Super 2R and 3R is sort of the quintessential one. If I had had a chin bar on my helmet, I probably wouldn't have had that major concussion. Like I hit, I missed my helmet and hit on my face, and if I hadn't hit on my face, you know, who knows? So hmm. consider that. Yeah, uh, that was uh, in that article you referenced early on uh, about Mark who had a a serious concussion. Um, and I think part of his doctor's recommendation was to wear a full face helmet. So when we rode with him, uh, you know, it was a, it was a mostly like, I mean, cross country ish ride. There was a lot of climbing and, you know, nobody had full face helmets on, but he did because, uh, that was what his doctor said because he couldn't, couldn't get another concussion or he'd be in even more trouble. So it's a good endorsement, but otherwise, yeah, it's pretty simple. Ride within your limits and always wear a helmet. Uh, those are the two basic things you can do beyond that. Uh, it's really not in your control. So, um, I don't know if that helps or hurts people, but yeah, at least know that, you know, those are the things you can do and you're doing, you're doing your best if you can check those two boxes. So finally, what are the signs of a concussion? How do we know? Uh, if something serious has happened after a crash on the trail? Well, if you hit your head significantly, uh, get medical attention. Like, go to your doctor. Don't just assume it's going to be okay. Like, go get it checked out. Um, I always recommend that mountain bikers carry some sort of medical insurance. 
the lower the deductible and out-of-pocket max that you can afford, the better, but that's not always possible, as I know. But man, hopefully you've got some sort of medical coverage that will make going to the doctor as easy of a pill to swallow as possible. And you know, even if you think you might just have a concussion, you know, it's very possible you have a more serious TBI, like a brain bleed, uh, which could lead to death. So get it checked out. You'll get the MRI, like bite the bullet and just, you know, play it safe. You don't want to mess around with this stuff. Yeah. And like Greg mentioned early on, you know, there are a number of different symptoms. Uh, so if you're experiencing any of those, that's a good clue that you should probably seek medical attention. And also don't think that, you know, oh, I had a crash like two weeks ago. You know, I, I, I don't need to go to the doctor because it's already happened or whatever. Um, if you're experiencing problems still that, you know, you think might be tied to that, definitely makes sense to go check it out and be sure because uh, there could have been some damage that you weren't aware of at the time, uh, but that could have more long-term effects. Well, cool. That's all the information we have about concussions and traumatic brain injuries. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about helmets that are designed to reduce the chances of concussions, or if you'd like to read Mark's story about his traumatic brain injury, be sure to go to Single Tracks and search the site. That's all we have this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace.